know last week, Pastor Sean, some people might be thinking, well, that's not Dwight. Uh, when he texted us and asked one of us to take care of the service, Dwight just reached out and said, yeah, we'll take care of it. And we never told him exactly which one because we were kind of both just praying about it and seeing which way the Lord directed and he kind of didn't really know. So I promise he didn't lie to you last week when he said Dwight Scalp would be bringing the word up. But I'm excited. I'm like Dwight and Kayla. I'm excited. I'm like Karen. I, I know the Lord is in this place. I feel him. Uh, I was here last week. So it's not because I wasn't here. I just get excited anytime that I can come into the house of God. And that we can come corporately and we can honor him. And we can worship him. And, and I'm honored to be able to stand before you. When our pastor isn't here that I can stand before you and declare what the Lord has given me to share with you. So if you'll stand, we're going to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 18 through 23. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there. If not, I know they should have it up on the screen. But 2 Chronicles 20, 18 through 23. And it says, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites, the children of the Kohatites and the children of the Koratites, stood up to praise the Lord of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tokia. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judea, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, and who should sing praise to the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and praise, the Lord said, Ambush against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Siri, who had come against Judah, and they had defeated. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Siri, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitation of Sira, every one helped to destroy one another. If you will, I'm going to speak and preach for a few moments on let your praise war. When Karen got up, I thought, God, you know exactly what you're wanting to speak to your people because that's my title. Let your praise roar if you bow your heads. Father, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. God, I'm asking, Lord, that you just come in this place. God, I already feel you, God. God, I'm asking that you hide me behind your cross, God. Let my words be your words, God. I don't want to speak, God, anything, God, that you wouldn't want me to say. But, God, I want every word that would come out of my mouth to be ordained by you, Father. God, I thank you. Open our ears and our hearts, God, that we'll hear your word and we'll receive what you're saying to us this morning. We thank you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Nicholas. I want to just set the stage just a little bit here. As we get into the message, I want, to, I want us to look back um, over our scripture when we start back at chapter 20. You see, when you go back to the beginning of chapter 20, there are some nations that had decided to declare war on Jehoshaphat. See, the armies of Moab and Ammon and some of the Ammonites had some issues with Jehoshaphat. 
And some messengers came running to Jehoshaphat and they told him, they said, man, listen, there is a vast army that is coming from Edom and is marching against you. They're coming for you. They're coming from the Dead Sea and they're already at En Gedi. And see, as they were beginning to tell him this, verse 3 says, the Bible says that Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. And he begged the Lord for guidance. But he also ordered everyone to begin a fast. Um, how many is excited about our fast coming up? Yeah. I know in the flesh it's really hard to go, oh, I think I'm going to put this aside because our flesh don't like to push things aside, right? But I promise if you'll take this fast and you'll really let God do something and you really seek the face of God during this fast, some things will begin to turn around in your life that maybe you've been seeking God for a long time. So he said he knew that he needed everyone to fast. And so he had declared a fast and he had told them, let's begin a fast. And I'm going to paraphrase verse 4 through 20. The people of Judah went to Jerusalem. You see, they went to see the Lord's help. And Jehoshaphat stood before Judea and Jerusalem crying out to God for hope. You see, Jehoshaphat remembered that God had saved his people in the past. And he knew just how much that he needed God right now. Because see, right now there was a vast army that was headed to destroy him. There was a vast army coming to take him down. And he knew that he needed God to help him. You see in verse 12, Jehoshaphat told God, he said, God, we are powerless against this army that is about to attack us. We don't know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. You see, Jehoshaphat knew that he is powerless. No matter what he had, no matter what things he had in his hand, he knew against this army that he was powerless. And see, that's the thing. When we realize in our situations, when we realize when we're going through things, when we realize how powerless we really are, then we allow God to do things in our life that we can't even begin to imagine. When we begin to let go of the things and say, God, we give it to you because there is no power on the inside of me, God. I am powerless without you. God, I have no hope without you. You see, here we here he is saying, God, this great army's coming against us. We don't know what to do, God, but our eyes are up on you. Then the Bible records in verse 13, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel. Thus saith the Lord to you, Jehazel said, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. There's something about that, that he says, thus saith the Lord. I'm going to tell you right now, all you need is the thus saith the Lord in your life. That's all you need in your life is the thus saith the Lord. Because when we get a thus saith the Lord, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter how surrounded you are. It doesn't matter what's coming towards you. Because when you have a thus saith the Lord, things begin to turn around and change in your life. You see, a thus saith the Lord changes everything. Right. It doesn't matter what the banker says, because what matters is thus saith the Lord. It doesn't matter what the doctor says, because what matters is what the Lord says, or what the lawyer says, or what people are saying, or what your economy is saying. 
all that matters are what our government is saying or what we don't maybe we don't have a clue what's going to go on tomorrow but I want to know what the Lord is saying because that's all that matters in my life right now one word from God changes everything one word from God makes you unsinkable one word from God makes you unbeatable one word from God will make you unshakable one word from God will turn your famine into plenty sickness into health your weakness into strength your drought into a flood and nothing into too much God will give you everything that you need you see, one word from God will close a door that you didn't think was able to be closed. One word from God will open a door that you didn't think could be open. One word from God can turn your family situation right around. One word from God can turn a job right around. One word from God can save your marriage. One word from God can save your health. One word from God. That is all that you need. You see, and that's all Jehoshaphat needed. He just needed, thus saith the Lord. He just needed one word from God but could you imagine getting the type of instructions that he was given by God in verse 16 and 17 he says tomorrow go down against them they will surely come up by the cliff of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerusalem you will not need to fight this battle Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. So here God's telling him in verse 16, Tomorrow, Jehoshaphat, I want you to go out and I want you to march out against them. But see down in verse 17, he starts to tell him, but wait, you won't even need to fight. I want to stop right there because I don't know about you. If the Lord is telling me to go down in front of this vast army, and then now he's going to back up and say, but you don't need to fight. We're not trained that right that way, right? We know that when we send an army overseas and we go for battle, they're ready to fight. They go through a series of boot camps. They go through the training. Because why? Because they know they need to fight. But here is God telling him, you're not going to fight. I want you to march down there, but you're not going to fight. Could you imagine there's a mass army headed your way and God's saying, now I'm going to send you down there, but I don't want you to fight. I can imagine that Jehoshaphat was in his fleshly mind wondering, okay, God, you don't want me to fight, but there's a vast army headed my way, headed our way. But see, verse 17 continues and he says, take your positions, then stand and watch the Lord's victory. So now is he not only telling him not to fight, he's saying, take your position while you're there, but I just want you to stand. Sometimes that's what God wants us to do. He just wants us to stand and be still. There's something about some of us have a personality of we got to fix everything. I got to fix this. If I don't have my hands in it, then it's going to be a mess. That's the problem. Sometimes so many of us have our hands in things that we make a bigger mess than what God intended it to be. But if we will allow God to move, God will take care of it all. You see, I don't know about you, but just to stand there and watch something would be hard for me because I am a fixer. I want to try to see how can I fix this? 
If there's an issue going on, I want to call everybody and try to mend it between everybody. Or there's something going on, I want to try to see if I can make everybody really happy and just really make the situation better. And so here's Jehoshaphat saying, God telling him, just go stand in your position. There's some positions that some of, that some of you that God has designated for you and you get uncomfortable in them positions. But if you'll just stand in the position that he has for you and let him do Exactly what he wants to do. So verse 17 continues on. He's with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. I mean, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Don't go fight. Just stand there. I mean, our human side, our fleshly side says, I can't begin to feel over that. That begins to overload me. That begins to be too much for me because I need to be doing something. But see, he says, go out against them tomorrow for the Lord is with you. You see, every natural being of us tells us to run. If you know a great army is coming and you're not prepared to fight, the first thing you're going to do is run. Or at least I would. I mean, I, I ain't never been in a fight. I would run. I wouldn't know what to do if I was in a fight. I would just run and please, you know, please. You know, that would be me. I mean, so don't anybody come fight me because I'm going to run. That's right. I'm going to get out because I ain't going to fight. So in my instance, I'm going to run. This great army's coming. I'm going to hide and try to get away as fast as I can. But see, Jehoshaphat went against what the natural mind would tell him to do. And he did exactly what the Lord told him to do. Because you know why? He heeded to the fact that he had a thus saith the Lord. And he knew that God would take care of him. See, Second Chronicles 20, 21 through 22, we read this. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him. For the splendor of his holiness. As they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Sirah who were invading Judah. And they were defeated. You see, Jehoshaphat appointed singers to praise and the beauty of his holiness. He knew exactly what needed to be done. And they begin to sing and pray, sing praises to their God. Could you imagine this army, this vast army coming? And there you stand. There Jehoshaphat stood singing praises. His army lifting their hands and worshiping and honoring God. Could you imagine that probably when they came up on them, they probably thought, oh, we got this in the bag. This is easy. This could be nothing on us. They've not come with nothing. Because sometimes people may look at us and think they're just weak. Look at how they're bowing down to their situation. Then that's what the enemy tries to tell us. You're just weak. Look how you're praising. You're not speaking up for yourself. All you're doing is praising God. You're not saying what needs to be said. All you're doing is praying. You're not going to defend yourself. All you're doing is lifting your hands. 
But when you allow yourself to surrender to God, when you allow yourself to let God take care of the problem, you don't need to go to defend yourself. You don't need to go speak up for yourself because God is fighting your battles. Yeah, that's good. You see, Jehoshaphat appointed the singers. They begin to sing and they begin to praise God. And the Lord set ambush on their enemies. See, verse 23 tells us they turn on each other. Yes, their enemies begin to fight one another. They help to destroy each other. Because they began to, be, confusion became upon their enemies. God confused the very ones that were coming to fight them. Do you know what? Praise confuses the enemy. Praise confuses the enemy. If you want to drive the devil crazy when he throws something at you instead of whining and complaining, just go praising God. Praise breaks up the enemy's lines of communication. You see, when we as children of God begin to praise God through our circumstance, through everything breaking in our life, when we can begin to praise God, that confuses the enemy because he says, I thought I had them down. I thought I had them broke, busted, and disgusted. But when you can lift your hands and you can praise a holy God and you know that you surrender and you know that he's in control, you don't have to worry about anything else. You see, when the children of God begin to praise, it brought total confusion to the army, to their enemies. Their strategy and their order was completely destroyed as they started to kill one another. Praise is your weapon. This morning, praise is your weapon. Praise will go to the very foundation of your problem. Praise will go where you feel like you can't even go. Praise will open up doors. You see, we can look at Paul and Silas. It's a very popular story. Acts 16, 24 tells us that the jailer put them in the innermost part of the prison. Right. You see, but verse 25 says around midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises yes. unto God. And the other present prisoners were listening. I'm going to stop right there for a second. It says the other prisoners were listening. Do you know there are people that are watching you? When you go through the things that you got to go through, when you got to face the things that you face, there are people watching you to see how you're going to react. Are you going to crumble? Or are you going to stay strong? They may see you fall. They may see you get scratched up. But there's something about when you watch somebody go through some things, but they're still standing. I may be down halfway standing, but I'm still standing. And people are watching just like they were being watched. Watched. What are they going to do? They're in the middlemost prison. See, there were people watching. People are going to watch to see how you react to the situation in your life. See, verse 26 says, suddenly... There was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. They were thrown in the middle of the prison, but in the midnight hour, they lifted their voices and suddenly the doors flew open. Sometimes it's in our midnight hour. And I'm not just talking about nighttime. I'm talking about those situations when you feel like you're surrounded. When you feel like everything around you being claustrophobic like Sister Karen was saying is just caving in.
you feel like you can't utter another word. You feel like you can't say anything else. Sometimes we don't need to say anything else, but thank you, God. God, I love you. God, you are faithful. God, I know that you hear me. God, I may not feel you. I may not see you working, but God, I know that you're working Amen. for me. You see, they didn't allow their position to affect their heart's position. But instead, they praised God. We can't let our positions affect the positions of our hearts. Because our heart and our minds are set on Him. And when we allow the enemy to take, to allow us to get ourselves out of position and our hearts out of position, but see, instead they praise God. Praise breaks your yokes. Praise confuses your enemy. Why is praise such a powerful weapon? It confuses the enemy for one. But the word tells us God inhabits the praises of his people. You see, when we praise God, he moves into our praise. And when God moves into our praise, our problems don't even begin to stand a chance of what they look like. Our problems aren't even big anymore. Our problems don't even stand a chance of how we feel like they're overtaking our situation. You see, back in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 24, it says, And when Judea came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, there were dead bodies fallen on the earth, and none escaped. You see, God knows how to take care of your enemies. God knows how to take care of your situation. You see, I don't have to fight my own battle. You don't have to fight your own battle. Do we get down? Yes. Do we get brokenhearted? Absolutely. Do we feel really defeated sometimes? Yes. But it doesn't mean that we've lost our battle. It doesn't mean that we've got to give up. It means that's when we can truly release ourselves and say, Okay, God, I really know that in this time and in this situation, I truly can't do it without you. I surrender. There's something about when you lift your hands. You're saying, I surrender to you. When, when somebody is in trouble, what does it mean when they say lift your hands? You are acknowledging the fact that you are surrendering to the very person in the authoritative position over you. The same is with God. He loves us so much that when we can say, God, I surrender myself to you. God, I give it all to you. God, it's not about me anymore, but Lord, it's all about you. Amen. Amen. That's good. When we surrender... We pull our hands away from what we're trying to fix. When we surrender, we're saying, God, I don't got to fight my own battle. When you surrender, you don't have to fight your own battle. All you got to do is let your praise be your weapon. And God will take care of the rest for you. You see, verse 25 goes on to say, So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing. And also articles of value. More than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days 
to collect it. He not only destroyed their enemy. Because Jehoshaphat and his men honored God's word, he not only destroyed the army that was coming, but he put them in overflow. It took them three days to collect everything that was there. You see, God will put you in overflow. That when you step back and go, but only God could do this. Because God, I didn't even want this much. I was only asking for this. But God, you did all of this. All because I surrender to you. God will put you in overflow when you totally surrender it to him and that's exactly what he did he destroyed their enemy and he put them into overflow they found among them not only their enemies but an abundance of riches and jewels more than they could even begin to carry off you see while you're praising your enemy while you're praising god your enemies are going into mass confusion while you're praising god your enemies are turning on one another while you're praising God God is fighting for you while you're praising God you're positioning yourself for prosperity there's a breakthrough in your praise and if God before you who can be against you there ain't nothing there ain't nobody that can stand against you when you have God on your side when you put God first there's nothing that can stand against you you see you confuse the enemy with your praise because every time you lift your hand and your voice you're surrendering to God and the enemy I believe steps back and he's like man I thought I had her right I thought I had him you know when it comes to our kids or our nieces or our nephews or our family that's where it seems like he really wants to hit us right I spent the last month just being on this Figuring out Emerson, what's wrong with her? You know, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. I mean, I lost for an entire week of her being so sick. That's all I did. I let the enemy just, I mean, I'm just being transparent. I'm not perfect. I'm preaching to myself when I say this, but I sat and I sat downstairs every morning. I'd get up before I get the girls up for school and I'd ponder. I'd wake up at five o'clock in the morning out of sleep, just thinking I need to look at something else. And, and then they give us the diagnosis that she has celiac disease. And of course, then my mind and I begin to become overwhelmed because the enemy wants to overwhelm you. Because when he overwhelms your mind, when he puts your mind on one thing, you can't think about anything else. You can't think about what God's wanting to speak to you. Everything becomes all foggy. All the cobwebs begin to get in the way. And so that's exactly what he does. And that's exactly what he was doing to the point that I begin to go, okay, God, I didn't even think about knowing that God healed me when I was sick with Gillian Beret. Healing didn't even enter my mind. All I could think about was the problem. And all I could see was celiac disease, celiac disease, celiac disease. And that's all I hear. And then her sick and her sick. And so I'm being bombarded instead of going, okay, God, I'm putting my feet down and I'm trusting in you because you are the healer. You are the one that took the stripes on your back to heal because you knew one day she would need it. Amen. See, it's easy. It's easy no matter who we are. It's easy to allow ourselves to get caught and entangled in the things going on in our lives and not some of them big some of them small everyone goes through but you know what's awesome if it's important to you it's important to him and if it means something to you it means something to him he said i'll never leave you 
I'll never forsake you. And there's times we feel alone. There's times we feel like nobody has a clue what we're going through. And then there's times we want to step back and we want to say, well, someone has it worse than me. Absolutely. There's people that have it better. There's people that have it worse. But all that matters is that God is mindful of us. God is there to protect us. God is there to uphold us if we will let him do the work. If we will allow our praises to roar for him. You see, the enemy expects us to be downtrodden, to be broken, to be lost in our mess. It's easy to get lost in our mess. You know, we hear the saying, I'm a hot mess. Sometimes a lot of us feels like we're a hot mess. But I'm telling you, God is all up in our hot mess and he will take care of it if we will allow him to clean it up. You see, we've been given a weapon and it's our praise. I asked Nicholas to sing that song. It says, I raise a hallelujah. Why? In the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah. Why? Because it's louder than my unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. Why? Because my weapon is my melody. I raise a hallelujah. Why? Because heaven comes to fight for me. It says I'm going to sing when in the middle of the storm. It's easy to sing before a storm. It's easy to sing after a storm. But can you sing right when you're in the middle of the storm? Can you lift your hands right in the middle of your mess? Can you lift your voice in the middle of the storm? I'm going to do it louder and louder. You're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. Why? Because the king is alive. We serve the true living God. We don't serve a God that died and was buried. He was buried one day, but he rose again. We serve a God that rose from the grave. You see, it says, I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. I raise a hallelujah, and when you do, you get to watch darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery, when we don't understand, when we begin to ask God why. Some people are afraid when you say, well, you can't ask God why. My opinion, you may agree or disagree with me, but Jesus himself hung on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why? Have you forsaken me? God ain't afraid of your whys. He ain't afraid of your whys. It don't make me nervous when my daughters come to me and say, why can't I? Now I might say, because, don't ask me why, because I'm your mother. A little different, right? I believe our whys. (laughs) That's right. I believe our whys, how we approach our whys can be interpreted. But when we say, God, why? Why do I got to go through this? It's a mystery to me, God. He's not afraid of your whys. I raise a hallelujah because fear, you lost your hold on. When we can allow ourselves to break away from the fear of not only what we think the enemy can do to us, but the fear of people. 
don't worry about what people think. Trust me, people will never be happy with everything you're doing in your life. Everyone will always have an opinion as to whether what you're doing is correct or incorrect. All that matters is that you are fulfilling the will of God in your life and you're doing exactly what He wants you to do. God will honor and bless you for that. So the fear of man. You see, the enemy hates your praise. As I was studying and looking at those lyrics... The Lord highlighted to me, you're going to hear my praises roar. And immediately my mind went to a tiger. It says bioacoustics is the study of sound and biology and how they relate to each other. A researcher in the field by the name of Elizabeth von Mugenhaler had extensively studied the sounds tigers make. She and her colleagues discovered that tigers can produce sounds below frequencies of 20 hertz. This is called infrasound because it's below the human range of hearing. We humans hear frequencies between 20 hertz and 20,000 hertz. Mugenhaler believes that it's the low frequencies and high volume that can cause perilous, which means things to become paralyzed. Infrasound can travel long distances and tigers use it to communicate as well as to hunt. It can also pass through solid objects including bones, which is why people such as wildlife researcher and Professor Mel Sunquist has re reported being able to feel the roar in his bones. Infrasound has been shown to produce chills, stress, and even sorrow. Infrasound is one more weapon in the tiger's arsenal. You see, a tiger's intimidating warning war has the power to paralyze the animal that hears it or even includes an experienced human trainer can become paralyzed by the roar of this tiger. You see, the tiger may have an infrasound as a weapon towards its enemy, but your praise is your infrasound to the weapon of your enemy. You see, you can paralyze him with your praise. Amen. You can send chills down his back with your praise. You can stop him right in his tracks with your praise. All you got to do is let your roar come to the surface. All you got to do is let your roar, let your praise come forward. Let it be your roar towards the enemy Amen. that says, I will stop you right in the middle of your tracks. Amen. You see, your roar, your praise has the power to paralyze the enemy and to confuse him. First Peter 5.8 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I didn't do too much study into lions and tigers because there's a lot of back and forth. But the one thing that held true, that there's something different between a lion and a tiger. You see, he's a lion. And in my eyes, I'll be the tiger. I'm a tiger. Because my praise can paralyze him. You see, the roars are very different. A lion's have a deep and bellowing roar. But they say when a tiger roars, his, his is in a lion is because he's social. But a tiger has this salvage, in your face kind of battle cry. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to have this in your face, devil, kind of battle cry. 
when we lift our voices. You see, the tiger is stronger than the lion. The tiger is a solitary hunter. Because, see, you don't need anybody else fighting your battles. You don't need to go try to find someone. It's good that we interlock arms and we have one another. But when the rubber meets the road, all we need is God and God alone. That's who will help us fight our battle. You see, because when we praise, only you can lift your hands for yourself. Because when you praise, walls fall, the enemy flees, chains are broken, sickness is healed, marriages are restored. I can't praise God for you the way that you can praise God for you if they'll come to the music. You see, Christians lose many battles. Not because the enemy is greater. Although he tries to make himself appear greater. He tries to make himself to look bigger. So us as Christians don't lose our battles because the enemy is greater and not because he's smarter or because he has a better weapon because we have the best weapon. But simply because we do not take full advantage of what has been given to us. You see, praise always precedes manifested victory in our lives. If you'll stand. You see, praise confuses our enemy. Praise is a sign of our faith. A faith that says, God, I don't see you, but I'm going to praise you. A praise that I think a lot of us feel sometimes, God, I don't even feel you, but I'm going to praise you. God, I'm wondering where you are, but I'm going to praise you. God, I feel like you're a a million miles away, but I'm going to praise you. God, I don't understand why I had to go through this, but I'm going to praise you. I didn't understand back in 1998, which seems so far away. I'm older these days. When me and Dwight first got married, hadn't been married a month. And I wake up paralyzed. I had had the flu. My body attacked itself. I ended up with Gillian Beret. And I laid in the hospital thinking, God, why? Why? I can't preach. You told me I would preach. That's the calling that's on my life. How will I ever preach? And I can't even walk. God, I've not even been married a month to a man that spoke vows to me and I spoke vows to him. And I'm going to be handicapped the rest of our lives, right off the bat. Why? They looked at me and said it could take you months to years to walk if you ever walked again. There was a lady at our old church that brought a gentleman that had Gillian Beret bound to a wheelchair. He'd been sick for years. He wanted to meet me because he was just believing that God was going to heal him. Sometimes we need to see other people that have been, have got the battle scars, right? So I would sit and I would ask God, as I laid in that hospital bed and I had to go to Cincinnati, my parents had nursing and to get my medicine, they released me and the nurses agreed to administer my medicine and Dwight left me and I would lay there by myself thinking I'm newly married. I've got a calling on my life and here I lay paralyzed from the waist down and I can't do nothing for myself. God, why? 
because sometimes our situations look really ugly. Sometimes our situations don't even look like we can even utter up a praise for ourselves. But if we'll realize what God has given us. And I remember praying and saying, okay, God. And I would get down some days and I would, Dwight would go to work and I would be sitting at, at the house and I would think, okay, here I just sit. I'm going to try to get myself around about, do what I need to do. But I had made it up in my mind. On a Wednesday night, don't count out your Wednesday nights. Because God can do, God will do some great things on a Wednesday night. Not just on a Sunday. He don't perform miracles just on today. He does it every day. And when you stay faithful to Him and to His house, I promise you, we say, well, it's not about going to church. It's not about going to church. But it's about saying, God, I need more of you every single day. So if you don't make any other pack with your 2020 rituals, you say, God, I'm giving you my life in 2020 and I got help in Dwight and this other gentleman helped get me in and I had them set me on the front row because I had told God by myself that day said I will not leave that house until you heal me I'm not leaving God until you put life back in my legs service went on the man preached he stopped he said I just feel like we need to pray for Darla They came down, they gathered around me. I believe we prayed for an hour or something like that, just bombarding heaven. I walked in crippled, but I walked out all by myself because he is faithful. He is faithful. Even when we don't see it, he's working. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. Even when you feel all alone, he's working. Even when you feel like you have nobody on your side, I promise you, He's always working on your behalf. He won't leave you, and He won't forsake you. He'll stay right beside you, no matter what you're going through. No matter if your family leaves you, no matter if you have nobody. God says, I'll stay right there. If you will praise me, if you will keep me first, if you'll let your praises roar from your mouth, And let me see, it may not happen tomorrow. That's the thing that we have to realize. We live in a generation that says, I need it right now. I need it to take place this very instant. And if it don't, then he's not mindful of me. Oh no, God is mindful of us all the time. But he wants to see sometimes just how much faith do you have. He could have healed me the very next day, but it took almost a month. There's some people I understand are waiting for their healings and it's been years. But I promise you one thing. God is always faithful if we'll let our praises roar. So it's not, we don't lose these battles because he's smarter. We lose these battles because we need to, we don't take full advantage of what the Lord has given us. I want you to go into 2020 with a roar in your mouth with a praise in your mouth it it would have been easy to to come up with a message to go into 2020 let's do this, let's do that but sometimes we got to be reminded that we have a roar that we need to shout a little louder we need to sing a little louder we need to be reminded that 2019 may have been really junky But 2020, don't pack everything. When you pack this new bag for 2020, don't go looking for the old stuff. 
to take with you but make a point to say right here it stops right now it will not come with me I will not take it forward leave it behind let the enemy know that you will not be defeated remind the enemy this is how I fight my battles this is how that says God I surrender to you God I am all yours this year let's bow our heads Father we thank you Father we magnify your name we glorify your name because you are worthy not because of anything else that you may do for us but simply for who you are if you don't do nothing else for us you've saved us from the very pit of hell and you came and you died for us we just celebrated you and we'll continue to celebrate you into 2020 while we're in 2020 we're believing for great things with all heads continue to stay bow I never want to not give anybody the opportunity is there anyone in here that says you know what I don't know God I don't have this relationship with him that I feel like that I could call out upon him because I don't have I haven't surrendered my life to him is there anybody in here would say that's me anybody at all all right you can lift your heads up if you don't mind I'm gonna make this altar call very simple I can't praise for you I can't fight for you I can't make you come up here and you may say well is coming up here really important it really is let me encourage you anytime not just before today anytime you're at a service and the minister calls for you there's something about coming to an altar and getting down and sacrificing ourselves and saying God here I am Maybe what he's preached about or she's preached about isn't necessarily what you're going through. But you can come to the altar and you can say, God, I need more of you. God, I need you this week. God, I need more of you. So this morning, or this afternoon now probably, as they begin to sing, if you are in this place and you say, you know what? My roar has been a little bit quiet. I don't roar as loud as I once did. Or I don't roar as loud as I want to. I want you to come whether you kneel, whether you stand. I want us to lift our hands. And I want us to say, God, give me a confidence in you. Give me a reassurance in you, God, that my roar will paralyze the enemy. That my roar will keep the enemy at bay. And it will stop him right in his tracks. Because God, you are in full control so if you will let's come to these altars let's fill these altars and let's just say god this is my year to roar for you and to to be everything that you've called me to be